price drop? Time to shop. Get to a Nordstrom Rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns. Now score even more, up to 70% off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. Denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last. The legends are true. Overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. The Brighter Side is brought to you by Audible.com. Go to audibletrial.com slash brighter side for your free trial. things that black people have helped us with boom jazz music fashion i say crystal i used to live with her she told me i stomped loud when i walked and she was right and to this day i hate people that have loud steps when they walk it's bad i'm going all music Jimi hendrix mm. My ex-roommate, Simone, she taught me the best way to get out of someone uh, aggressively catcalling you is to act crazier than they are and go, You want this pussy? I'll give you this pussy! It's full of teeth! I had a good old friend, Darren Brown. He lived uh, in Tallahassee with me. He was my manager at Buffalo Wild Wings. He was a he was a freak and a black guy, so he dealt with it from both ends. Big old bull nose ring. Mohawk, 6'4", black as hell, tough-ass dude. And the one thing he taught me is when a cop pulls you over, just pretend like you have to shit. (laughs) George's buffet after church every Sunday, four years. These women would cook the best motherfucking food. It was better than church. I went to church just so I can go to the buffet afterwards. Muddy waters. Mm. <laughs> New Orleans, Chicago, St. Louis, Baltimore. These are all righteous towns, man. We are talking about Black History Month. This is the brighter side of cynics look at optimism. Ahmed Larson with me is Mary Kelly and Hello. Amber Nelson. How you doing, ladies? I'm great. Great. And joining us later in this episode is Cena John, but let's get things going right now with our good buddy Clark Jones. We're talking about Black History Month. Yes, we all love it. Yeah, man. Unless you're Stacey Dash. Yeah. No, this is Black History Month, like a bunch of pronouncing horns. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> Nothing says Black History Month like way to damn near the end of it to be like, oh shit, yeah, we're right on time. We're a little late, but we here. We we were dealing with everybody else this whole month. It was, had, it was traffic, man. I, I had two I woke, immigration episodes to deal with. I woke up late. <laughs> But I'm Black, yeah. Black History Month should start in March for Black yeah, People. Yeah, man. Me, it's Black Preparation History Month. It's February. So this is the shortest month. March, let's ride out, you know? Oh, that's great. Joining us is a great comedian, Mr. Clark Jones. How you doing, buddy? I'm I'm actually pretty good, man. I'm happy to be here and talk about these. This I'm, I got the weight on me, but I, I feel ready for it. That's hey, great. man, there's no any weight. And, any and everything black, I got it. We're going to no. talk freely. We're going to yeah. handle it. We're going to have nope. fun. If at any nope. time I say something like, you're a bitch, just mm. feel free to throw a chair across the room. Oh, okay. Even yeah, though yeah. you're sitting right next to me, I'll just still <laughs> throw it the opposite direction. Yeah, yeah. That's the best way to scare a woman. <laughs> something in the opposite direction. Oh, he's mad. <laughs> he means business. Oh, my God. <laughs> what have I done? You know, it, it's interesting. You said that Black History should start in March because I was talking to a guy. Well, I did. I do a lot of urban rooms, and I show up on time. And people are like, hey, "You showed up, white person time on time." And I'm like, "Yeah, uh, that's how it should start." And then <laughs> I, was, I love showing up late. Uh, but then I was talking to somebody who runs a show. Like he's one of the crew in Madison Square Garden. Oh shit! And apparently they have like if the show starts at seven o'clock, they say seven o'clock time, and they say seven thirty BPT time, and they say that on the monitors with each other to hear. Yeah, that's not helping uh, uh, the business, the company, or black that's people. Helping nobody. <laughs> yeah, nobody. Nobody. It's kind of fun though. I mean, where do you, you know, what's the, you know, where do you, where do you let the, where do you let the thing lie? You know? Yeah, I, I don't. I, it, it's just so. It's just. It's just. You showed up thing. on time, by the way. I was. You're I was. Early. Well, I, I had a meeting right before this. I was late for that. <laughs> <laughs> it just so happened that that spilled over into me being on time. But I'll take the credit. I'll take it. I okay. had three meetings. I had four meetings today. I was late for three and didn't show up to one of them. Oh. Well, you might be a black person. <laughs> you might be a black person. So you're from Chicago. Yeah, Clark. born and raised. You're born and raised Chicago, Chicago and yep. this is a very. Uh, this is a very very segregated city you were telling me yeah it, it's intentionally um segregated man and, and people just get away with it there's a chinatown there's well um, chinatown i mean i feel like chinatown's in every city i mean do you are we chinatown but, i don't think chinese people want to break up chinatown yeah, yeah i mean but there's chinatown and then but people are every chinese people are everywhere this mm -hmm. is Chinatown is where Chinese people are. It's weird. Yeah. yeah, it's weird that you can just like say China and it's not like uh, like racist or whatever. Like you can say Chinatown, but you can't say Latino town. Well, well Latino, Latino in the country. <laughs> 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 but we do a very popular part of Chicago. It was Jewtown for a long time. Jewtown. But then they started. Sounds great. To, yeah, great deals. They had the great, best Polishes mm -hmm. in Chicago, man. Oh Good God. Pastrami. When I was a yeah. Oh, but we didn't even do. We didn't even. I, I, I thought Jews ate fried Polishes and grilled onions for the longest because that's mm. where you can get the best Polishes yeah. in uh, in Chicago. And you know, as a kid, you just like that's just what it is. You just say Jewtown, and yeah. you didn't, you know, you as you get older, you're like, oh man, that's 
that's not cool. That's not cool. <laughs> also, in the it 80s and 90s, count. it was a little, you know, you were allowed to say a little more things than you can now. Yeah, people weren't getting fired for posting stuff on social media back then because um, there wasn't social media. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, man, Chicago. Before you I, just had to scream it on the sidewalk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just had to write it in the snow whenever somebody moved in that you didn't want to be there, which really did used to happen to black families. So are you from the like, south oh, really? side of Chicago? I am. You man. are? And mm-hmm. so uh, what is uh, some of the things you could see was a clear segregation that you saw well it was just like the the main train in chicago is the red line which goes from the north side to the south side mm-hmm. and you just would see once you went past certain stops all the white people would get off yeah or all the black people would get on and of course all the chinese people would get off at um at chinatown the blue line which went east to west all the, which what most of the latino people in the city would ride because that would take you to the, the west side or northwest side. So it's like the fact that I can even tell you where certain demographics are yeah. lets you know how segregated the city is. That's not good. That's well, not you good. can kind of do it in New York, but you think Chicago's worse. I think, yeah, just because I remember the first time I came to New York and um, I was coming from a show. It was like one o'clock in the morning. I didn't know. All I knew was my Chicago wits. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, oh, man, this is about to be crazy. And then uh, it's one o'clock in the morning, and this like beautiful model looking chick got on. And I'm just like, it's one o'clock in the morning. Though. And then an old Jewish man got on. I'm just like, oh, people just have shit to do. This yeah. isn't, <laughs> this is, this, this is, nobody's worried about what race is getting on a train. But like one o'clock in the morning, red line to the south, you just don't do that. I don't mm-hmm. do that because you, you never know who you're going to run into. So it, that's when I was like, oh man, New York is kind of cool. Everybody, 24 hours a day, just going to do what they have to do. It's not like, um, now, now I wouldn't ride to Canarsie. That's different. Oh, <laughs> but yeah, for the no. most part, it's just like people just going about their business. Now, do you think, I know in New York there is a certain kind of segregation within race. You mm-hmm. know, you have your Polish neighborhoods and you have your German neighborhoods for mm-hmm. white people. And then for black people, you had your Trinidad. And then you'll have right. like a Haitian neighborhood and a Jamaican mm-hmm. neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of thing going on in Chicago or is it just very simple black and white? It's just mostly black and white. Um, and then even that type of segregation. Well, black and Polish. Black, well, po- oh, the Polish population. <laughs> yeah, the Grabowskis. Uh, but yeah, even that for New York is cultural. Where it's like, you know, but it's just like, it's four groups. It's Asian, Latino, black and white. Mm-hmm. And you you live where you, you know, where you're, where you're forced to live. Mm-hmm. And it's mostly based on money. Of course, you know, black neighborhoods on the South Side don't get the same funding um, that, you know, Gold Coast and North Side neighborhoods get. Or attention to fucking brick, I mean, cracks in the road and shit like that. But, um... You know, somehow I survived. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. That brings up another topic about, like, North and South. Mm -hmm. Because you said New York is very multicultural. uh, People are just kind of doing whatever. But I was Mm -hmm. also uh, mostly raised in Louisiana. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my good friends in high school were black. I mean, uh, that's just what what you just did. I never even thought about... And people always say the South is so racist. I never even thought about... um, I, I don't know, like just being friends with only white people. But but the, I mean, the North and the South, because I went to school in Atlanta, mm-hmm. uh, I went to college down there, and it's just like there's this um, there's racism that says, oh, you're a nigger, 
and it's like to your face. But it's like, yeah, <laughs> what did I say? You know, that's that's something, right? That's just, this is how things are. I didn't know this nigga wanted some coffee, I, so I poured him coffee. But I, I did my job, but like the North is like, oh, I, we're not racist, but here, let me show these discriminatory practices with home loans. Yeah. yeah. Or, you how know. How to get food stamps, how to get welfare. Or just using, there was this big thing called a hired truck scandal where, like, you know, there was supposed to be money given to women and minorities to start businesses. But a lot of the white politicians up there would put up this black woman as a front and get money on the minority side and on the woman's side. And when the shit got cracked down with Mayor Daley, she was taking the fall because her name was on all the documents. So they were taking this money that was supposed to go to minority businesses and women-owned businesses, and they were just pocketing the money, Mayor included. But, of Does course, it, he didn't go down. Secret racism. Yeah, yeah. It's North just, is but, secret racism. But to your face, it's like, hey, we have this black woman as the head of our company, and we, and we yeah. gave away all this money to minorities, and it's like, oh, well, why we, we got these programs for, for blacks and women. Why aren't you doing better? Mm -hmm. But knowing all the whole time that they're using this to line their own pockets i feel like the south is much i'm also from the south and um i feel like moving up north the north is very like i don't see race and the south is more like oh we see race oh, but yeah. we still talk to people yeah. who are black all the time they, they, like they, we know you're black and we'll <laughs> we'll no, let you know that we know that you're black but up north it's very like we don't see race it just happens to be that black people aren't a good fit and here at not, our company let's not, let's not talk about it why do we have to talk about yeah. it so much yeah. i honestly and i was just thinking about this today it's a fear mm -hmm. i think it's it's a big fear and you talk to anybody who's like staunchly racist, there's one step that they know, and that's the demographics on what year um, will when white people are not the majority anymore. It's like, coming. You know, by 24 to 5, In Kansas, they're going to take over. They're the majority yeah. now. So, so that's the big fear because there's power in numbers, right? So all these things with police killings, with police brutality, with Flint, Michigan, with all these things are intentional. Yeah. You know, if if the country, if America just stopped being racist today, stop being racist today, I think it would take black people 10, maybe 10 years to get it all together. And all the shit where people are like, oh, well, black people do this. Give us 10. If you just stop being stop killing unarmed people. Yeah. Stop uh, doing shit like Flint. Stop doing shit like you know, uh, food deserts, which is a big thing and What's a big a food problem. Desert? Food desert is like you see in a lot of urban communities where it takes forever, sometimes even 45 minutes to get to a grocery store with fresh fruit and vegetables. Well, that's right? like that out in Nevada and, and Montana and stuff like that, mostly populated with white people. But it's also very prevalent in also Native American communities as right. well. So, but what you will have are these corner stores with only like, uh, Jolly Rancher pop or soda. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just just yeah. food that slowly things. kills you and makes yeah. you stupid. And and that's it's and not that's, salad. It's not fish. Uh, the yeah. USDA uh, defines it that it's a part of the country that's uh, uh, devoid of fresh fruit, vegetables, or any other healthy whole food. Probably mm -hmm. covered in farms. Yeah, 
Yeah, so it's it's genocidal in a way. It certainly is. Yeah, that's the worst thing about being poor. And I mean, I don't even know how much it is about race as much as it is like really about killing the poor. Yeah, yeah. just like keeping the poor down and not letting the poor succeed. And that's why you know, personally, not to get on my high horse, but I'm rooting for Bernie because he's trying to make universities free and uh, anything that's going to help poor people become smarter and go through universities. I think is going to help the world. Yeah, there's a lot of opposition to Bernie. My my thing is, I did a fundraiser for Bernie and I wasn't sure at the time who I was because you, Hillary's the name that you know yeah. but I was just like oh man he's not taking super PAC money well I can at least do a fundraiser for mm-hmm. him you know yeah. I don't give it to all homeless people but if a homeless person said I don't take money from police I'll give him a dollar you yeah. know what I mean? yeah. because he, he has principles and morals yeah. so like I can help that out you know so I, it, it's it's a big thing I think that as he gets close, here's here's my thing with the poli- the political system and Hillary and Bernie. You have Bernie who's taking all his money from just people who can't give more than twenty seven hundred dollars, yeah. right? And he's still in the he's in the race. He's fighting, so all this money is just coming straight from people who can't really afford who, it. Who who can't really afford it? And it's all funded by people by voters. How can you say nope? Me and the corporations know what's best for you. Like, no, the people are saying this is who we support. Well, technically, corporations are people now. So yeah, that's true. Too. I'm sorry, my bad. <laughs> GE, I'm always not giving you the credit as a human being that you deserve. And what my about uh, in Bernie? I think one of the other things I love about him is how much he's really attacking uh, uh, just mandatory minimums and and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. keeping people out of prison for you know nonviolent drug offenses. While Hillary Clinton actually uh, owns stock in independent prisons, she's taking money from the private prison. It, there's a litany of things, and I'm not you know I, I can't just jump on politicians on politicians. Yeah, right? they're all so rotting somewhere some, for damn sure. Rotting somewhere, but as a black, I don't understand a black person who's done any type of vetting of the Clintons. Period. How they could um, support her? I, I don't get it. Yeah, specifically. My, oh, I'm oh, sorry for interrupting. Oh, my cousin. Oh, sorry, my not my cousin. My sister-in-law. She is a black Republican, and mm-hmm. I uh, just I, I don't share her experiences. She's one of the twelve. She's yeah. one of the twelve. <laughs> <laughs> <a> council. Uh, but uh, I mean, I don't share her experiences. I'm just saying what she said from her word of mouth and her family and her. But she's like, I don't want to be seen as a victim and I don't want to take money from the government. Mm. She was a truck driver. She worked for the military. She was actually a, um, oh, what do you call it when you fix trucks? What do you call them? A mechanic. Truck fix? Okay. She was a mechanic for the military. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, and tough she's lady. Very, very tough jobs. Very tough lady. Has two Lots kids. Lots of military people end up being Republicans. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. They but, pull their own bootstraps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, yeah. Get, I mean, I get it. Like, I, I think that the Democratic Party has um, had a leash, for lack of a better term, on black people as well. Yeah. I think Bernie's more of an independent than anything. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, yo, they were just like, yo, man, you, you can't just be out there with the I uh, in parentheses yeah. next to your name. You got to do this. 
Um, I just wish we could change the laws and keep Obama in there. Yeah, man. He's finally starting he, to pull through some shit. Yeah, he's, well, it's because yeah. he's a lame duck now. Yeah, he's he can going do down he swinging. Wants, he yeah. Wants. Although Obamacare, I'm not a fan personally. I personally am not a big fan, not a fan of it. I'm not a fan either, but it's something. It's a yeah. step in the right direction. That's, Let's fix it. You know, like that's yeah. you know, it's like at least it is healthcare. I was talking to a Canadian, and uh, he was just like he was laughing at me. He's like, "Your president wants to give you healthcare, and you don't want." Also, to be fair, you don't want it. just disappeared. Also, to be fair, back Obama... into a bale snow. <laughs> <laughs> just, just an embankment Co- covered in maple syrup and his fucking denim outfit. <laughs> to be fair to Obamacare, though, it's it's a. I think it was a good idea that's been filtered through many levels of bureaucracy. Save Derek Bergstrom's life. True. It did, it, but it, personally for me, I have to pay a fine because I don't have health care. And it's yeah. cheaper to pay the fine than to have health care because I'm mm. in, like many Americans, I'm in a sort of minimum that place. Limbo. Yeah. You, that make, limbo. you make over $13,000 a year that you have to file. Yeah. And it's just like, it, it was hard for me because I'm diabetic and, you know, before Obamacare, and I, and I understand it helps a lot of poor people and it saves uh, some lives. Mm-hmm. But before Obamacare, I kind of could beat the system a little bit and find ways. You to can go pay to for a free it. clinic. Yeah, free clinic. Medicine was a little bit cheaper, but insulin, especially, bunker. people kind of hook you up too. Yeah, doctors be like, "Oh, here's some." Medicine. Yeah, man, we got a couple vials and top yeah. drawer, whatever. But because of Obamacare, where they're like, "Yo, you getting this for free?" A lot of shit was cut out, so it was just like. It was it it was difficult for I had to find a way to uh, to get my medicine. So thank you to the Sydney Hellman Healthcare at NYU. So I I wasn't too happy with with the affordable healthcare mm. thing. I think they need to raise the minimum that you make per mm-hmm. year yeah. in order to be eligible for it. it should be like twenty five. Well, tax brackets are just oh, ridiculous. Yeah, People yeah. who make between forty and eighty thousand dollars are in the same bra- tax bracket, and someone yeah. who makes forty one thousand dollars and someone who makes seventy nine thousand dollars, you're living a completely that's different two, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's a whole different, different yeah. thing. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, middle class gets screwed uh, on the reg, man. Well, yeah. they're intentionally being taken out. Bah, 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 bah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? What type of gun was that? <laughs> <laughs> I think like she had two nine millimeters. The people want to yeah. know what type of uh, semi, very semi-automatic weapon that was. Nice. I mean, Speaking it, of automatic weapons and guns, man, let's get into police brutality. Okay. All right, because uh, you are you know, like we said, you're from Chicago, and that is pretty much. So they've pretty much taken over. Everyone else, it seems yeah. like it's they're trying to clean up their act a little bit. Uh, but Chicago is still fucking shooting everyone still, dead in the streets. Still shooting people. It's been found out that they're tampering with the cameras, um, you know, the body cameras yeah. that, that they're supposed to wear. Laquan McDonald, who was shot, um, what, 21 times. Was that the guy um, who was laying down and surrounded? It was on video. Yeah. There's one. I don't know if this was Chicago. The, the one on co- Christmas? This was, I think this was a little bit before. Well, it was a year that they had held on to the video, Rahm Emanuel, and they didn't release it. But there's one cop who's suing the family of a kid that they shot. For like, what? for like a uh, uh, heartbreak or whatever, for for because because they emotional emotional damages. damages and I shit thought like it that. was because it ruined his reputation. Because yeah. shooting an innocent child might yeah, and ruin they your they called reputation. his attention to it. That's that's what that's what it's like 
right now to yeah. be black where you're just like the police are against you that that that's any any a friend of mine who's a comedian uh drew who he knows me as a gregarious pretty confident guy mm-hmm. and he he pointed out to me how i am when i interact with a police officer he was like man you just seem like just so just so cautious and very much not not scared but cautious yeah and to not make any sudden movements and i, I was just asking him for directions but as we yeah. just, as we've seen or as we've heard about that could lead to your death yeah mm-hmm. to know that every time you talk to a police officer these people who are paid to protect supposedly to know that um were you given the talk when you were a kid from your parents about how to interact with cops i was i was i wasn't it wasn't directly police officers mm-hmm. but my mom um she kind of spread it was like a widespread lesson about how to carry yourself in public yeah um and looking at examples because this ain't a new thing it's just now on video yeah but well in in a way if you look at it it's you know not to sound like a jerk but it's kind of getting better because now it's finally coming to light whereas 10 years ago it was happening and no one knew about it yeah but the consequences aren't increasing for these officers so it's even more petrifying now because it's just like yo you're you're seeing this on video yeah. What what would it take for officers to pay the price for what they're doing? You you're watching it. Mm-hmm. It'd be different, you know, two hundred, three hundred years prior to that. We just like, oh, race is getting better. What are you talking about? But now you're seeing it on video, and these cops are still just getting paid time off. That, yeah, that's scary. Yeah, all the guys in Baltimore, they're on paid leave. Paid leave. And then one of them just got a mistrial, but I think he's going to get retried, so we'll see what happens with nope, that. Nobody's suffering real consequences. Even the dude Holtzclaw who raped all those women and was taking advantage of that. Well, didn't he, he get life? Well, he he's but he's his identity, he got charged, but his identity is being hidden from public view. So, so when he goes to jail, the everyone else won't know he's a cop. Once again, they're gonna know that. Once again, is protection though. It's like why are you protecting yeah. this motherfucker who is found guilty for life? Yeah. Why? Why? What do you um, think about uh, about black people who become cops? I mean, obviously we need more black cops, and I, so and then I, but then there's also the double standard is sometimes they're harder on people. Or my, my solution: you shouldn't be a cop for a neighborhood you don't live in. Mm. Community policing is what keeps this country, what will keep this country together. Yeah. Boston does it. Boston has, you you police the neighborhood you live in. They you haven't police. shot an unarmed person since mm-hmm. 1993 in Boston. Wow. Yeah. Yes. And so it's like community policing is, I couldn't agree with you uh, more than more than 100%. You know, it's it's, Be- because it's how you save this situation. It's, it's a part of an identity thing where you're just like, you know, um, if you're Bob, you know Bob. Bob was acting a little rowdy mm-hmm. at the bar, so you call the police. Like Bob, what are you doing? I know your family, and there's an there can be a, a, a talk about what's going on. Yeah. But if you're if it's Jamal and you're Darren from the suburbs and you're coming in to police, you're not trying to work out a situation. No. You look at whether it's Jamal, whose mom you don't know, or whoever. You just like these are all criminals. Same thing. Oh, he has a cell phone. That's a gun. 
You yeah. know what I mean? And then be, the fact that there are no consequences, why wouldn't you act like that? In lots of places where uh, weed isn't decriminalized, a lot of times people are just trying to ditch joints and they're reaching their hand in their pockets and they get some fucking shot. Yeah. And so it, it goes both ways with that. So it's, you know, mm-hmm. the cops are scared and then, which, you know, they do have a right to be scared, but at the same time, if you're scared, you shouldn't have the job. You shouldn't yeah. have the job. You should, but, it should be somebody from that I don't neighborhood. Wanna, yeah, exactly. It should be somebody from that neighborhood who knows, oh, this motherfucker ain't a threat. Mm-hmm. He ain't got no fucking gun. I but know additionally, him. there's yeah. been studies that show that cops, uh, when they're shown videos of white people reaching for their pockets versus black people reaching for their pockets, their heart rates go up because they assume that the black person is a threat by mm-hmm. reaching or just being there. So there's kind of this thing where we want, in my opinion, we want to ignore that people intrinsically have negative connotations towards people of color. And we want to ignore that that's happening, but the fact is is that it is happening and that people every day get hurt over the fact that cops, when you're in that situation where you're with someone that you don't know if they're a threat or not, that when they make a movement that you think could be threatening, that with a black person, they're much more likely to be like, he's reaching for a weapon. The the question is, do lawmakers care? Do the people who are in charge... I think some do and some don't, and it's very clear. You know, Mm -hmm. and it's very... Like, we look at Bratton in uh, New York City. Oh, my God. You know, he's a monster. He's trying to... He's he's trying to make resisting arrest a felony. Oh, my God. And it's a crime... It's a crime based on opinion. Uh, A cop Mm -hmm. could say you're resisting arrest because it's it's his opinion. Whether you're resisting arrest or you're not resisting arrest. And if you make it a felony, that means that you can't vote. And the people who mostly get arrested for resisting arrest are black people, Latinos, and protesters. The people who need to be voting most and so it's so it's just like it's trying it's like it's it's the biggest way to whitewash the whole government is by making resisting arrest a felony that's such a police state can't vote can't get jobs um so what do you turn to crime that's bad you don't have a choice yeah that's how it was in saudi at any moment in saudi arabia you'd be like oh somebody could just come into this home like a police state the religious police they could just come into your home they've done it a couple times Mm -hmm. and they just search and see if you have christian paraphernalia or anything like pornographic or alcohol and then you just have to accept well that's my life i guess i my home myself my identity could at any time be just pillaged yeah I, I mean, my my thing is there, there's this cartoon that meme that's been passed around where it's like uh, it's three people and it's like this is equality and this is justice. Whereas like equality is us all having the same opportunities. Justice is you know minorities or whatever being lifted up so they're all looking at the same. I, I want equality. Like I said, if you just stop Any all the bullshit from the things, past yeah. and just give. And treat everybody the same and treat everybody fairly, I have no doubt black people will be fine. I mean, look at all the bullshit of this country and still Barack Obama somehow became president recently. I think, and I think that's a fear too for those just like who know the power. And I'm going on a little bit of a rant, but who knows the power? It's the slowest rant I've ever heard. That <laughs> it's the most measured so, rant. So and calm. here's another thing about it, guys: black people. Uh, I, I just, I just, I just feel like if we're given a fair shot, the amount of things we can do with a little bit. If you look at this country, I, I'm not. The, I, I think, you know, segregation 
in the, from the 60s and the 70s, 50s and 60s, it was black people, black businesses were thriving. They were thriving. There were black hotels. There were black uh, entertainment halls. And, you know, but because money's such a driving force, people were like, hmm, we're losing money by not having black customers. So even the progress or the progressive things in this country had nothing to do with justice. It was, we need the money. Yeah. You know, I'm tired of this. The lottery was started. Uh, it's a book called Kings about how the lottery started in Chicago about these guys. And they were making the plan a penny game millionaires paying off police, yeah. the whole thing. And then it became illegal because motherfuckers were like, we, <laughs> we want to see some of that action. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, now the and, government runs a lottery. Now the government. And who do you, when was the last time a rich person bought a lottery ticket? They it's never fucking happened. They you know, so out. it's just another way to take money from the poor. You know, mm -hmm. this is money that the government's giving the poor and they end up spending on lottery tickets, mm -hmm. giving it right back to them. Yeah. And a lottery is, a, is one of the most disgusting things that this country does, in my opinion. And, yeah. But they may so much fucking bread. Oh my god! Oh my, it's unbelievable. So it's it's a, it, it comes it comes back down to money for those who are at the top, the one percent or whatever, and they leave the um because you go to parts of Illinois or even parts of uh, Louisiana where it's like black people and white people living together and getting along, and they're all poor. But, all poor, all poor, <laughs> all, yeah. all dirt, dirt poor people. Yeah. But they're able. It's not. Oh, yeah. That's the that's the one I'm talking about. But they're able to. Um, they're all living the same life, so it's really a money thing. And but yeah. there's profit to be made off keeping people separate and thinking yeah. all the white people are like this and all black people are like this and. You know, and there's we are, but not. <laughs> and it's easier to keep a population in check that distrusts people in the same bracket that you are. Yeah. So yeah. if poor people distrust people based on superficial things like color or background or ethnicity, like it's just easier to keep those people in control. Yeah. In my opinion, if you're thinking I'm poor because of those black people who I've never met, <laughs> it's like it's their fault, and you're just not blaming. The yeah. the one percent who's right there, yeah. keeping you in debt. Also, for a positive note, a Black History Month, the first woman <laughs> to make a million dollars, or self made millionaire, first woman was a black woman, Madam okay. C J Walker. Hell yeah, hair products. No, oh. she could be she could be a millionaire today. Yeah, because hair hair is always gonna be hair. Always no a matter. thing. Yeah. So no Clark, we do have to wrap up our oh, uh, little segment, but this is Ooh. the brighter side, and uh, this is the brighter side of uh, being black in America. Mm -hmm. So if you could tell me what you think the brighter side of being black in America is, uh, take as much time as you like. I would like oh, to hear it from man. you. Man, like this this is hard because I just the talked about man. Talked, we're the yeah. we're the cynics look at optimism. Yeah, you man. know, so you can be you know, it's like you, you can it can be right, it can be wrong. But we had a I would guy like doing crime scene cleanup, and we're like, what's the positive <laughs> thing about cleaning up dead bodies? So you like talk about that, you know? Honestly, and you know, with 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 struggle, there's always something to reach up and look forward to, mm -hmm. and that brings about a unity around the cause. You know, if and I, I feel like with the e economic inequality kind of spreading out across Black people, it was one time most Black people were poor, but we're, we're getting all these different opinions because. Some black people are very rich, a large percentage. Some are still poor, whatever. But the progress in that is that, you know, there's there's more people getting rich, more African Americans are doing things and uh but as long as all these bad things are happening, there's something to look forward to for things to get better. 
Fuck yeah, man. Yeah, man. And uh, there's lots of things that you wanted to touch on that we didn't get a chance to touch on, okay. including arts and reparations. Uh, what do you think about it? Yes or no? Nah, man. No. No, no, don't give me a don't put a dollar amount on 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 the injustices from the past. Just fit, give me more jobs and give me more education. And I'm telling you, black people don't want handouts. We want an opportunity. Yeah. To to show like, yo, I could work on my own. Most black people are conservatives on crime, on gun, on all of that shit. We just, you know, it just don't sound good on paper. Yeah. yeah. Drake. Drake, yes or no? I mean, he's black. And he's half black and Canadian, so he don't even and count Jewish. in his discussion. <laughs> in the grand scheme of things, uh, but that that new Kanye album is amazing. For is those, it? no matter if you disagree with you his tweets, you got a title. You got yeah. a title. The Life of Pablo. Yeah, yeah. I I did at thirty days. So I got thirty days. I've been All listening right. to it. I'm nice. scheduling meetings just so I can listen to it Damn. on the way to the uh, meetings I have. Collard greens. <laughs> Collard greens. I always make with pork fat. I made them without with lemon. Juice and they were horrible. That yeah, sounds yeah. bad. You got to have a big piece of fat back in yeah, there, or absolutely. something like that, or salt pork. You know, because yeah. the salt. I juice. just yeah. love it with pork made in the collard greens. It's got to. You have to. Yeah, I know because piece of ba- my, I know people make it with bacon and uh, yeah, make it with bacon. So it's just too tart good. when you make it with just chicken stock and a little bit of lemon juice. It's bad. Oh, you need that salt pork marinating. <laughs> in yeah, there. yeah, for hours. See, you can come to my house for Thanksgiving. Oh my god, I'll, I'll make some salt. baked mac and cheese. I'll Will make you burn the corners a little bit. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm a good cook, and let me tell I you. I know this. we've talked about food before. We have. I'm a very good cook, and my my boyfriend, his family lives in St. Louis, which uh-huh. is AKA like on the conversation, very white, <laughs> and they never like they don't know how to cook. Everything's from a box. Everything's from a can. It's like real bullshit. And mm. I eat it, and I feel salty and sad and fat. And so the day after Christmas or whatever, some holiday, I was like, let me make you guys some food. I just made some lemon chicken and potatoes in a salad. Like, and nothing they, crazy. They were just like, oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A little cream. Louisiana style. What'd you put in this? And it's like, just lemon uh, juice seasoning. and salt. <laughs> Don't use Mrs. Dash. Just no. make your own no, thing. man. Some sweet potatoes. Oh That's my what God. the next pot, sweet potato podcast. I think oh, sweet man. potatoes are better than regular potatoes sometimes. It depends. I like little red potatoes. We gotta stop this, guys. <laughs> All right. <laughs> now, that's a positive. Yeah, note. yeah. Clark, <laughs> thank you so much thank for coming by. Thank you for having by. me, If you want to see Clark, you can see him every Sunday at the Knitting Factory, Comedy at the Knit. He hosts a show with Kenny DeForest and Will Miles. And what's and Wednesday too, you do. Well, uh, I sometimes that's a part of the same umbrella. Comedy oh. at the net, or follow me on Twitter at the Clark Jones. Fuck yeah, bro! Thank yeah. you so much. For Thank y'all, man. This is fun, man. Hell yeah! And uh, keep listening. We're gonna talk to Jordan Temple and Miss Laura Coates. Talk to you guys in a second. All right, welcome back to the brighter side, everyone. We have a special guest with Eddie and I today, Laura Coates, my good friend, former federal prosecutor and civil rights attorney. Laura, thank you so much for joining us. I am so excited to be here with you. Can I call you Eddie, too? I like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get Eddie a lot. You call me anything you like. Hey, let's do it. I feel like Ed is cool, but Ed is like, Ed's just the guy you know down the block, but Eddie's your boy. So I'm going to call you Eddie. That's how it works out. Like Eddie. My friends call I'm going to call you Mr. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Mr. Let me straighten my tie up here. No, I'm glad I'm here. Thanks for having me on the brighter side. Let's try to make it happen. Yeah, so we're... Uh, yeah. So this is... Uh, this whole month, we've kind of been... You know, I, with the election and stuff, I think there's a lot of issues that are, like, swirling around and with all these topics. And there's also this kind of, like, 
backlash, I think, as well to Black History Month that we're experiencing to a certain degree, where you guys have people like Morgan Freeman who are saying they don't want a Black History Month, and he's a, I think he's more of a, of a rich man than he is, than he is necessarily uh, a member of the black community to a certain extent, and I would never take that away from him, but the man's worth, what you, you found out? $90 million. <laughs> well, you know, he has not only driven Miss Daisy, but he's also the voice of God. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess when you become the voice of God, you get to talk about Black History Month as a bad thing. Yeah. So what, what do you think about, let me just read the thing. He's also that, won an Oscar. Yeah. There's that. Well, I mean, who doesn't love him in Shawshank Redemption? First of all, how funny. He was an incarcerated black man yeah. in Shawshank Redemption, yeah. which is the, the, the quintessential story of people who are oppressed and don't get an, another shot at life, right? So you have the quote-unquote black experience there, and you have him playing, you know, in the civil rights era type of work, and he has won an Oscar, and he certainly got his share of accolades. What I think about Morgan Freeman talking about Black History Month, I have to say, when I first heard the soundbite, I thought... Oh, it's a sound, but there's no way he said this. He's not really damning the actual month. I read a little bit more about what he said, and what he's really talking about is he didn't want there to just be the reduction of black history just to one month. He thought it's American history. And remember he, met, he asks Mike Wallace in one of his pieces, well, I don't want just to call you the, the white guy I know named Mike. Don't call me the black guy you know named Freeman, right? So I get which, of course, the black guy named Freeman makes me laugh, but I'm just going to put that out there. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Back when names meant something. Yes, it meant something, you know? So maybe it's literal translation. But I have to say, I, I think the Black History Month is still a worthwhile experience. It's not because we're trying to just reduce it to one month. We're not saying that um, we're only going to celebrate the achievements and successes and the role of Black Americans in the history of America. But it's in large response to the fact that there's a feeling of disenfranchisement and people feeling as though they were um, alienated and not appreciated. So there's a month devoted to making sure that the academics and the schools and the media focus on these accomplishments that are often taken by the wayside. So in that vein, I, I applaud Black History Month. I understand his point, but it's missed on people, and he should realize that it would be missed on people. He was trying to be provocative, and I, didn't, I don't think that it, it translated well. But Laura, what about what about a Jewish History Month or Sounds an great. or Iranian History Month? Well, how many oh, Middle Eastern? Okay, Middle Eastern. The Iranian's too specific. <laughs> You're right. There should. I mean, you, you obviously everybody wants some type of a, um, an outward appreciation devoted to them. But really, when you get it to the point where um, there is a specific reason in America why you have Black History Month. It's not because we want to ensure that everybody gets, you know, the, the third place trophy like you have in Little League. Now everyone's a winner if you're in the exactly. game of life. And we admit that, that's fine. But when it comes to America and the history of America, America, as you know, was based on the premise of there being white superiority when it comes from the post-reconstruction, post-slavery era. And the idea that there was the intent of legislation and the intent of politicians and the um, condoning of oppressive treatment towards a particular group. Now, there were other minority groups at the time who were also being oppressed and maybe disenfranchised as well, but black Americans had a very unique experience, and there was crafted legislation that was meant to alienate and isolate and oppress. It carried over until, you know, we're talking about the 60s, and in large ways, there's been a domino effect um, and ripple effect of that legislation, even though we no longer have it. 
So black Americans experience a very, very unique set of circumstances that requires them and us, because I'm one of them, to have um, a month like this, an actual, um, you know, orchestrated events to empower, to encourage, and to recognize that particular aspect of America. And I, I agree, black history should be American history. And that's true. It is. But, but black Americans have a different role in America, even today. Yeah, mm-hmm. my parents came here by choice. Yeah. <laughs> the Jewish people <laughs> came here by choice. Yeah. They were, you know, shoved onto a ship and, like, got over here and forced to work and stuff. My parents are very happy that they are now here. As a, I'm a first-generation kid. It's like they had the choice. Sure, they were fleeing a theocracy after a revolution that, like, took all my mother's rights away. But they were still had the choice to go anywhere else in the world at the end of the day. I, I, I agree with you. That, that's what the end of the day is. Um, as someone growing up as a kid, I loved history. And so I was always excited for Black History Month because I got to learn something else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's true. I mean, and, and there's only one thing I can say, Tina, and that is while we were, you know, forced to come here, when Ebola hit, we were all happy to be here. <laughs> so, we're not saying when Black History Month comes out, we all want to leave someplace else. That's not, that's not the point. We are truly Americans, right? And so you yeah. have all oh, these ethnicities. But um, there is an experience of a Black American that is unique. And honestly, it's unique in the fact that it has been you know, denigrated such a degree that it is that, that black Americans are often having to overcome struggles that um, immigrants of other nations and other ethnicities don't have to overcome. And I think in many ways, um, people of all different ethnicities and, and diverse group of people benefit from the struggles that black Americans endured to uh, make this place more welcoming for its own citizens and extend the diplomacy. So I'm glad to have the event, but I do, and you hear people like Stacey Dash, who, Ugh. let me roll my eyes and say yeah. that I think that the part in Clueless was very appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> very appropriate. I did not know. I, oh, that's like going to be all. the thumbnail for the show, Stacey Dash. <laughs> I mean, like you all, I probably thought that she was acting back then, right? I was like, oh, she's, a, she's acting. <laughs> she wasn't acting. No. Um, but I think, and so she talks also about Black History Month as being some type of a, how, how are discriminatory against Blacks or that um, it, it's, it makes us feel as though we... We don't have enough or it's patronizing in some way. I'm not one of the people who feels that way, but I also feel, like you you were talking about, Eddie, in the sense of I love history too. And so what I don't appreciate about Black History Month is that it is, um, of course, it's Black History Month, but Black America is more than about the struggles of slavery and civil rights. There is woven in there so many wonderful cultural experiences. There's music, there's art, there's culture, there's, I already said culture. There's a lot of culture. (laughs) Yeah. Best music ever made. Rock and roll wouldn't exist for one for Ike Turner. Oh, yeah, neither would um, risk violence. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, so I agree with you there. Eat the cake, Ed. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I agree with you that you have all these different aspects. I, I love to focus on things that aren't simply the bad parts about being black in America. And people think, you know, all oh, black in America, the black experience. Like Ben Carson today or yesterday was talking about how Barack Obama, he's yeah. called the president, by the way, how President Barack Obama, um, was not really a black man. 
because he, unlike Ben Carson, did not grow up poor in Detroit from a single mother household um, where she had to juggle three different jobs. And because he was raised partly in Indonesia, suddenly he no longer could relate to the quote unquote black experience. Yeah. And while this neurosurgeon apparently gave a lobotomy to himself <laughs> in, his, in his words, um, what he missed is that the black experience is so much bigger than the narrative of us all having to come from a poor single family household. It is about much more about being a black person. There's no one defined experience. And so, you know, I don't know why we got the shortest month, but um, <laughs> and the coldest and the coldest <laughs> month, <laughs> but, you know, it's a month. It's the worst month. I mean, let's, it, there's no question about it. Man, it should really be in June. Let's switch. It that should, should be the new campaign to switch Black History Month to something better. Can you imagine? We would have so much good concerts and music. We'd all be outside and having a great Ooh, time. Or maybe if we'd made June like Black Party Month. And we just <laughs> like. <laughs> I mean, but you know what? We were in the heat long enough. <laughs> I don't want to say I'd rather have a concert. I don't want to have a reenactment of a cotton picking thing. So I'm not doing that. <laughs> I will say February. It's a leap year, fellas. So we got oh, 29 true. days this month. <laughs> yeah, we're with the you. Most out of that. So uh, another thing that um, Morgan Morgan Freeman, not to bring him up again, but he's talking about how do we combat talking about racism, and this is something that I also Chief Justice John Roberts also echoed as well. Uh, when asked, how are we going to get rid of racism, Morgan said, stop talking about it. I'm going to stop calling you a white man, and I'm going to ask you to stop calling me a black man. Mm -hmm. And Chief Justice John Roberts, I think he said the only way to stop discrimination based on race is to stop discrimination is to stop discriminating based on race. And it's just isn't that kind of just avoiding the problem altogether? If we just ignore the problem of race in America, then somehow it's all going to just go away because we forgot about it. Well, these guys, in my opinion, live very different lives than 99 percent of uh, black <laughs> people in America. And they are treated with the utmost respect everywhere they go. They're invited to the greatest parties <laughs> in the fanciest ballrooms, you know, so it's just like, of course, they could say this without shrugging their shoulders because that's what their life is like but you know in, in all reality it's probably not like that for everybody else oh i totally agree i mean you, you look at that you're talking about the hollywood elite of morgan freeman right i mean yeah. the man wears a glove now and no one even says anything like he's just he's like the new michael jackson <laughs> I, I know i know that he had a hand injury but whatever no one's talking about it morgan. um no one's talking about the fact that you know there's a whole lot of scandals i think he's been a part of because he's part of the hollywood elite no one says anything you're right a totally different experience than most people have um and i, I when talking about avoiding it it's kind of like avoidance has never worked on any occasion in the history of civil rights work, history of criminal justice reform, of any political initiative we've ever had. We have not been able to progress in any real way unless we actually confront it. And when you talk about let's not talk about it, that sounds more like to me um, when you decide, well, let's not have any policy initiatives, but let's just say if we close our eyes long enough, we won't see color. Yeah. That's just not going to happen. Same way, if I close my eyes long enough, I'm still going to wish I was 10 pounds less. That's just how it goes. No, no I don't. Well, I, I agree. <laughs> I think racism will start to, you know, dwindle away in like a thousand years and we all slowly start becoming the same color. Yeah, well, that will that yeah. be the case. Um, and, you, well, who, who knows? I mean, I think you look at The Rock and we're on our way, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good like, Lord. That's going to be great. What are we doing here? So I, I, I think there is a some, of some hope 
Um, however, you know, I'm not somebody who says, I don't see color, let's not see race. Because I think there's a lot of beauty in some of our um, distinctions. What I don't mind, I never mind um, that we have different races. I don't mind we have different colors. I don't mind that we are different people. What I do mind is being oppressed or mistreated based on how I look. And that's what people are asking about. So um, I don't want the conversation to stop. It's pretty naive to think that if we just ignore the problem or don't discuss it, it's not happening. And another point, not only are people like the Morgan Freemans and um, that we're talking about today um, on different Hollywood perch, you know, they're talking about very metropolitan areas where they live. They're talking about very diverse places where they live. And when I was the right attorney for the Department of Justice, I went all over the country and I never got to go to the sexy places because quite frankly, racism wasn't as um, profound and overt in the sexy places. It wasn't in the New York City metropolitan area. It wasn't in the heart of LA. It wasn't in the Hollywood Hills outwardly. Um, it was in rural Mississippi. It was in rural Oregon. It was in rural Hawaii. It was in Washington State. It was in parts of Jersey, which we all know is rural. You have yeah. places like that. And so in those areas, yeah, it's nice to say things like, well, it doesn't really, you know, racism is not a problem. It's a very entrenched problem. And a lot of places have not progressed to the same level of PC-ness that we think they have. Case in point, people like Donald Trump are able to repeat, you know, racial slurs and epithets um, in very public forums and nobody is calling them on it because we have this idea that, oh, they're just calling it like we see them or this is something that we all think and don't say. Well, the same can be true about when you think about um, progress in the South and rural parts of the country. Progress is really not, is really not as far ahead as you think it is. And there are some people who that who are who are uh, drawn to um, sentiment that for the rest of us is appalling, because that really is the nature of their world. And so when you talk about a Black History Month, or you talk about why racism is at the tip of everybody's tongue, it's because it's also at the forefront of most of our lives. Mm-hmm. It may not be on the newsreel. It may not have made its way ahead of certain sound bites for the politicians. But for most people, you feel it on a daily basis in interaction with police officers, your experience at the polls, your experience when you try to get a loan, your experience when you try to register to vote. It's a real thing for people. And uh, people like Morgan Freeman, it's to me, it's inexcusable to say, let's stop talking about it, especially when you're in your own ivory tower. Yeah. You can't stop talking about it till it's fixed. And it's obviously not fixed. If you just turn on the news, you know it's not fixed. Even Morgan Freeman himself condemned the police officers in uh, Baltimore. And then he doubles back and says this. It doesn't make him a bad guy. It just makes him a little privileged, I think. Yeah. And it's also understanding where these people come from when they're when they're talking about these things. Um, what do you think Black Lives Matter has been has gotten a lot of steam um, from from all the the terrible police brutality stuff that's been happening over the past year or so? How do you think the rise of Black Lives Matter has affected this year's uh, Black History Month? Well, I think that the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, um, maybe not the actual phrase of that group, but certainly the sentiment behind it, yeah. that, that we as black people have become an extremely powerful special interest group. 
where I don't think they were in previous elections the same degree. They are able to have the ear of politicians and are requiring politicians to be responsive to the demands of what's already on the street. And that has not really been done to this degree that the quote-unquote common person, either in social media or in a rant or in a sign outside of a courthouse, has been able to compel a presidential candidate to address them to demand that they actually answer questions. I think it has been had an enormous influence for the sentiment reason behind um, the Black Lives Matter movement. I think the politicians, especially, I, I really, you know, I, I like um, Hillary Clinton as a candidate. And um, one of the reasons I like her, I, I, I like wearing pants suits too, so that, that's part of it. Yeah. But you guys too. I love pants. I wear all the pants. <laughs> Although one of the, the things about it is that when she had the opportunity to speak to the Black Lives Matter movement, um, to one organization from it, because I think it's like a, a twenty head dragon. You know, there's yeah. no one body. There seems to be each individual state, and people are speaking on behalf of this moment. So I talk about the sentiment behind it. But one thing she said, I thought was really, really. Uh, warranted was she said to them okay what is your plan yes and they their response kind of was you know dumbfounded they didn't have an articulate response not because they, they really had them but they didn't actually have a plan and she said to them look i i agree with you but here's how politics works i have to present something to somebody has to be voted on has to be implemented and i have to actually sell it to them so tell me how i can package it and I think that the Black Lives Matter movement um, should do a, probably a better job of helping the marketing strategy of how you actually sell it to uh, universal to universal appeal. Mm-hmm. But also, Black History Month can be an opportunity for the Black Lives Matter movement to say, "Look, th- we're not. We are no longer simply a month. We are a powerful special interest group." Yeah. Frankly, Black History Month is going to t- become in November. That's when we're actually going to demonstrate the power of the black vote, of the special interest groups. And so I think that it's in many ways, I love the sentiment of the Black Lives Matter movement. There has been several key missed opportunities to capitalize on the momentum they've actually been able to build. But I do hope that there um, can be some consensus to have a constructive conversation with whoever becomes the president of the United States. This is what makes me so happy is when you said special interest group because there is no lobbying organization really that has the power that say like uh, the financial lobby or the tobacco lobby or the gun lobby has. Now you have this kind of grassroots lobby for black America and the youth of America really uh, on on all races to say hey there needs to be criminal justice reform. There needs to be actual uh, constitutional stuff that happens uh, in our government to help to stop these rampant killings of everyone. And the other thing that I, I love that you brought up is that it's the same uh, problem I had with the Occupy Wall Street movement yeah. is that inherently with all of these liberal movements, as much as my heart is with them, I went down to Zuccotti Park and I was like, good God, what are these kids doing? Yeah. Get it together. Mic check, mic check. Who? No one gives a shit. <laughs> Put it on paper. Get some lawyer to go in front of Congress and sell this. This is how you're going to make change eventually in America. I want to see some leader emerge out of this movement, but I agree with you. The sentiment is there. We can all agree with Yeah, it. the New York Post wants a picture of you all looking like bums and idiots. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's how they're going to sell it to the rest of the country, that you're wrong. Yeah, exactly. We need, we need to get organized, and I think that was the message that Hillary saying but what what do you think is the backlash now to hillary because a lot of people aren't they're saying that bernie's going to be able to do more for the black lives matter the sentiment under that movement 
But, you know, I, I do love Bernie. Um, I hate his slogan because I'm, I don't understand how feel the burn passed anybody. Like, I, it just seems like an STD, right? I mean, feel the burn. <laughs> I don't know why that wasn't vetted properly. But, you know. There was a very was, popular television show a couple of years ago called The Burn, and maybe he's referencing that. That show was not I know popular. The Burn Notice. <laughs> <laughs> the Burn Notice. <laughs> about. I, I, I do. I mean, I, Bernie Sanders to me is that professor you had in college who kind of smells a little like wool and yeah. has, you know, the corduroy pants on. And he's a, a nice guy you want to have a coffee with, right? We'll smoke pot but, with, yeah. <laughs> yeah or, or that. I mean, not that I do that. But, um, you know, I, I think that he certainly has some grand plans about so democratic socialism. The problem with Bernie Sanders is that he is selling in many ways a pie in the sky. Because the same reasons we're talking about, about how the Black Lives Matter movement has to have a constructive plan, Bernie Sanders also has, a, has to have a plan that can actually happen in the near future. I know that President Obama ran on a campaign of change and, and hope and a sense that we could one day and make it today reclaim you know the, the world for ourselves he said 10 and, years i remember he's yeah and i i mean he's got two more to go and it hasn't been working yet but you know with bernie sanders i feel like he is selling to young people in many ways that i can make all these things happen um but it can't happen immediately and maybe that's a fault of, of bernie sanders it's probably not it's probably a, 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 a symptom or a result of this deadlocked uh, GOP-controlled Senate that says we're going to be obstinate and build a concrete wall just to disagree with the President of the United States, just for that purpose alone. But I, the reason I am not as drawn to Bernie Sanders is the same reason I wasn't as drawn to um, any plan that puts form over substance. Yeah. I have to see something. Uh, what I don't like, and I think that he, a lot of people do, is... Um, both Hillary Clinton, I feel, and Bernie Sanders in some respect, and a lot of the politicians who are running, they seem to feel that the quote-unquote black vote, the youth vote, the woman vote, that there are all categories that we each just easily fit into. Yeah. And the two never cross, the two never meet. And so when people are appealing to, I want to get the, the black vote, I look at them and wonder, so what is the what is the quote-unquote black issue there's not one isolated black issue there's a lot of american issues that face black americans yeah. there's a lot of issues that face women but tell me when you are so quick to categorize people in these little boxes it blows up in your face because you realize you're looking at and talking to a black woman so now where do I look to? What, 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 is your, what is your criteria now? Where, where do my allegiances lie? And for me and many other voters, whether you be young, a woman, um, a minority, whatever it is, you have to understand they have to appeal to all of our multifaceted mm -hmm. existence. Yeah. And a lot of these politicians simply are running on one issue and hoping that we are one issue voters and that issue is our external features. That's just not the case anymore. Not that it maybe ever was. Because we all got student loans, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's Sally Mae, I can't stand her. You know, <laughs> Sally Mae, that one thing I talked about, Ted Cruz has talked about, I can't, I, 
Ted Cruz. Why am I mentioning you, Ted Cruz? I don't like talking about you, but I'll do it now. Ted Cruz talks about one of the things he wants to do is he would like to eliminate the IRS. It's his first order of business. And I want to, if I ever meet him one day, I want to say, Ted, can your first order of business be to shut down Sally Mae and forgive all of our loans? Because then yeah. I wouldn't mind the IRS. I mind everything else. Yeah, everyone's starting out in a fucking hole that was that didn't exist 20, 30 years ago. Absolutely, yeah. it's com- it's completely unfair for anyone who goes to college without you know with their parents paying for the whole damn thing. If, if this show got ten million listeners, I still wouldn't ever be able to pay off my student loans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Know, it's funny. Barack Obama didn't pay off his loans until after, well into his presidency, because he'll have his books. Are you kidding me, sir? You- so, I, I mean, what, where is the hope for anybody? I'm not going to be president yet. But can, you, um, but can you imagine Barack Obama was just sitting there, he's like, man, it's the 20th again. All right, I got to fucking sign that stupid <laughs> little student loan check. Hold on, I'll be in the situation for a minute, man. Hold on, hold on. What is it again this month? God damn, oh, fuck, I hate this shit. <laughs> you know what happened. Yeah, yeah. you did definitely and do. The Clintons are like, Oh, you had loans? Sorry about that. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> we'll, we'll give you a better interest rate next time because you know they're the ones servicing those loans. The so ones I, it's, it's funny because Bernie Sanders is getting a lot of backlash for one thing, and he, he has appealed to black youth voters a lot because he talks about free school, like free the first two years of any state institution being free. And so a lot of historically black colleges and universities now are saying, if you support Bernie Sanders, it will basically eliminate the historically black colleges because who would go to the smaller HBCUs if the state school is free? And so now he's having to come back around about this very same point about wow. interest rates and loans and his you know, love for the black youth vote because people have the frustrations about what we're talking about, the Sally Mays, et cetera. And it's trickling down to how people are able to choose their schools. And where they end up going. I didn't go, to, I mean, I went to an HWCU. So I, I don't really know. Maybe black schools will become normal schools, you know, if this all happens. And that'll, it'll all start coming together and, you know, we'll start living our lives like Morgan Freeman. And we'll all end up looking like The Rock. <laughs> well, let me know when that happens, fellas. I'll be on a plane to Mars. <laughs> Oh man! All right. Well, uh, I think that's uh, that's about it then. Yeah, cool. Laura. Thank you so much. I'm You're- sad to leave you, fellas, but I'm gonna sit more tea. Oh. <laughs> that's great. And anything else on Black History Month that you think we should take with us as we go into the closing days here? Oh God, I have so many sarcastic comments that I will just withhold. But I think the biggest thing about Black History Month you should take with you is that it really is a celebration of American history. Yeah. It just highlights the people who normally are not a part of the narrative and the conversation of what makes America so successful. Hold on a second. So what about Africa? So we're not <laughs> supposed to talk about that during Black History Month? Yeah, um, we do talk about Africa. We talked about um, a number of things about Africa. Um, <laughs> but but um, African-American history is what I'm talking about, yeah, yeah. Black History Month. And I think that we certainly um, should obviously love all nations. That's my diplomatic, diplomatic answer. But when we talk about there is a reason why the black experience in America has, um, has to be continuously encouraged and praised and cultivated because it can feel very defeating when it's only viewed from the lens of the failures, shortcomings, and the oppression that's dealt to black Americans. 
it's a good time to have people celebrate the experience of Black America. And if that means we have to have a month assigned to it to remind people to to enjoy uh, and praise the contributions of Blacks in America, yeah. so be it. Hell and in meantime, Morgan Freeman, uh, your next film, I hope it's about something that I can not boycott. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Laura, what's your Twitter handle? What is it? My Twitter handle is the Laura Coates. The at the Laura Coates. Yeah, it sounds kind of vain, huh? The Laura Coates. I feel like that's who I am. I'm the Laura Coates. The only yeah. one. Fuck all the other Laura Coates. Yeah. <laughs> I, I pooped myself one day, and there are like 40 of us, and they're all like blonde with glasses and freckles. And I'm like, no, 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 honey, uh-uh. I'm the Laura Coates. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it. The Laura Coates, former federal prosecutor and civil rights attorney. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we'll be you. back in a little bit. Keep fighting the good fight, hey, darling. Thank you. Nice to see you both. Nice to see you. <laughs> so recently, uh, it's about November. It's November 5th. I was uh, pulled over by the cops in a cab. So were you driving the cab? Nah. No, you were sitting in the back seat. I was in the back seat being a passenger. So it pulled over and picked you up, though. Hmm? It pulled over and picked you up, though. Yeah, but I'll get back to <laughs> what I think about that later. Because uh, I think he would might have been a decoy. It's very strange. Yeah. But um, So what happened? So you just ride in the back of the cab, and then what? Cops, like, pull in front of you, uh, start flashing the lights? What happened? Yeah, they start. They put on the lights, and, uh, you know. They put on the lights, boop, and I remember the cab driver was like, I don't know. I think I'm good. Like, <laughs> like That's the what? cab driver said? Yeah, he's like, I don't know. I think I'm good. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't have anything wrong with me. Like, okay. what? It's a weird thing to hear because it's, it's not like we're friends. Yeah. You know? It's like you are serving me. Mm-hmm. I am a customer. And you're what? You're in between shows, gigs I can take it? Yeah, I was in between shows. All right. And um, I was in uh, Crown Heights. So when the cop came up to the cab, did he did he go up right up to your window, or did he go up to the cab's window? Right up to my window, and he shined, they shined the lights in the back seat of the cab. Okay, and then, so basically he's just shining, he didn't even approach the cab at all? No. He let me know. When the when when they actually pulled over the cab, I had an inkling that it was mostly about me because they shine the lights through the back seat first. Yeah. To see who was in the back seat. And then that's when they put on their lights. So if they were pulling over cabs for you know, whatever reason, mm-hmm. then they wouldn't have had the flashlights. They would have already had their lights on, but they flashed their lights into the back seat and then they put on their lights so white cop black cop two white cops on either side of the passenger doors in the back seat flashing flashlights in my face and asking me um different questions so they get you out of the car they they patch it down or no they didn't pat me down they actually one of them uh the one on the right hand side who i was closer to the right hand door because they picked me up he picked me up from that side he comes in and he's like uh i'm sorry like you just want to make sure this guy this cabbie is all right we've had some robberies at gunpoint so we want of cabbies so we wanted to make sure he was okay and i said all right and they're like where you come from and uh, I was like, comedy show? And they're like, where are you going to? I was like, a comedy show. And then um, they were like, okay. And They give you, the, what are you, some kind of comedian line? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I told that in a joke. You told him a joke? No, I tell that in a joke. Oh, okay. Like when they originally pulled me over, or when they pulled the cab over, and they came and they asked me, or they told me why they were stopping the cab. They were like, uh, there have been some robberies at gunpoint. I say in a joke, I'm just like, you know, I was like scared in that moment because like I remember trusting cops as a kid. Like they'd come to my school and they'd read books to us. Mm-hmm. But, like, in that moment, I kind of felt like I was in a Dr. Seuss book that was trying to demonstrate racism to children, you know? <laughs> it's like, cop I am. I am cop I am. I do not like black man or woman. I would not like them on a boat. I would not like them on a goat. I would not like them eating cookies. I would not like them wearing hoodies. <laughs> I would not, could not like them anywhere, to be honest, except my fantasy basketball team. And they came over and they, they're like, um, where are you coming from? And I was like, a comedy show. And they're like, where are you going to? And I was like, a comedy show. And they're like, oh, you're a comedian? Tell me a joke. And I was like, you just pulled over my cab. Nigga, that's the joke. <laughs> and I say that. But they also, they also asked me if I ever been arrested before, which is like, it's not even relevant to me. But like, if I, if yeah. I told you... I got a gun. Yeah, if you crack were in, me, right? if you were in prison for murder before and you did your time and you got out, it doesn't matter. Right. In this moment, it shouldn't matter. Right, right. No, agreed, agreed. I, I knew, I knew what the deal was. Also, something they take down your name. No, they didn't take my name. They didn't All look right. at my ID. They didn't do anything. They just came to stop the cab, real quick. Yeah, I think I don't, and I don't know what the cabbie was talking about over the. Uh, phone or whatever had to tell you that. But mm-hmm. I think he was in cahoots with the cops. You think the cabbie might have been an undercover cop? I think so because he was a green cab. Okay. What, what's the difference? I mean, I know the green cabs can only go in Brooklyn and Queens and shit, but you think they're uh, more likely to be an undercover? I think so because yeah. they are more likely to pull over uh, people of color. Oh, yeah. So, you know, green cabs are more likely to pull over people of color, you know. That's why I feel like an Uber doesn't go to neighborhoods where people of color typically live in. Yeah. So yeah, no, they they kind of redline certain neighborhoods. Like green cabs are the most accessible. Green and 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 black limos, and I feel like um, they might have been planning that. Like if it was true that there have been some people. Uh, like robbing cabbies at gunpoint, then I would assume that they would use that as like a ploy. Or it'd be in the news. Right. Did you look into it at all? No, I've heard about that happening. I think I have seen it in the news before. You know, it's it's so weird. All cabs have cameras in them. Why would you rob a cab? It makes makes no sense. Oh, people have done it. Anybody, anywhere. I've I've heard about crazy things, crazier things being robbed. Yeah. You know. Eight people just stealing entire ATM machines and shit. Uh huh. Exactly. Yeah. Just, just show up with a hand truck and run off with it. I've heard yeah. of that a bunch of times. Too. I heard, a, heard about a guy in Florida going to a um, like a like a pet store and like robbing birds, exotic birds. It's probably like a, a probably gun, a good a racket. Point. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. So w- let's talk about like uh, this whole uh, cabs uh, not pulling over for black people thing. How real is it? Oh, it's real. I know it's a, like it's like a joke that's always been talked about, but it's it's extremely real. I remember uh, yeah. I used to have to haul cat when I worked in the restaurant business. 
uh, cabs wouldn't pull over for uh, my Mexican uh, workers. I would have to, I would have to keep them inside the restaurant. I would hail the cab, but then they would come out, and then I'd give them money, and oh. then the cab would take them. Like that's how we. That was the system that we used. Otherwise, they'd sit out there for half an hour before anyone pulled over. Yeah, they take a minute. Yeah. So do you think it's uh, because the cab driver is afraid of not getting paid, or do you think it's just straight up racism? Uh, I don't know. I think it's a little bit of both. I don't know. I don't really know if it's uh, straight up racism. I feel like a lot of people um, don't. I mean, they're typically not from this country. So like yeah. the same amount of xenophobia someone from here could have for them, they have for black people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because of how someone looks. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm 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 gonna call a spade a nigga. I don't like Asians. <laughs> yeah. I don't like them. Man, I'll tell you what. I was talking <laughs> You know, about- so like I get it. If you don't want to pull over for black people, fine. Like I'll find like we'll find means to get there. We ride bikes, mopeds, whatever, mm-hmm. fucking run there fuck like it is racist to a certain degree but like whatever like i can yeah, i can find a, a way like it's frustrating but like when know. i was at i was talked about this on roundtable a little bit uh but when i was i was in africa recently everyone hated asians oh yeah everyone hated the chinese because mm-hmm. most of uh I, they were saying that most of the poachers are uh asian yeah 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 because they want the uh the rhino on the ivory and i'll make the distinction i mean some people were like, I got into this argument with my girlfriend the other day, and she was like, that is racist. And I was like, no, that is prejudice. Black people cannot be racist because racism affects an entire race. If I say I don't like Asians, an Asian person, an Asian family is not not going to eat tonight. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't yeah. do anything. It's the difference between institutional and me saying I don't like them. Am I going to say I don't like them to their face? No. You're my friend. This is friendly racism. This is how we fucking, yeah. you know, adapt, you know? They sling around the N-word all the time. I hear it. Me having that in my head, saying I don't like them, isn't going to hurt them. But when I go to Chinatown, I feel that shit. Lots of black people working in Chinatown. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's something I always uh, found peculiar in those uh, watch shops and Oh, no, those stores. are Africans. Those are Africans? Yeah, that's a distinction. They don't like us. Yeah. Africans don't like black people. Yeah, when I was in Africa, yeah. we were talking about the last thing I would expect to see in Africa is an African-American. <laughs> there's no reason for African-Americans to go back to Africa. Yeah. No, there's no reason to hang out there. All right. cool, yeah. All right, I think we'll uh I think we're going to wind this up for now. Jordan, thanks for yeah. coming in, keeping yeah. us in check, and uh we'll yeah. see you next week uh, when check, we talk yeah. about whatever uh wherever the fuck you want to talk about, buddy. Yeah, blacks. And maybe we'll uh maybe start soon. We'll we're going to get you hit in the street or something. Mm-hmm. Uh we'll get you out there and uh interviewing people around the neighborhood. Uh, oh, maybe yeah. uh, maybe people would like to write in and see uh what kind of uh correspondence we'd like to send out Jordan on. Maybe uh Yelling at bodega people. <laughs> well, reconnaissance missions would you like me to go on? Hit me up yeah. at, at Jordy Ploy on Twitter. What would you like me to do? Where would you like me to go? Would you like me to talk to the cops a certain way? I won't do it. But <laughs> let me know about something safe I can do, and I'll do it. Oh, <laughs> uh, man, we're going to put you through the fucking trenches. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. Good. If you get arrested doing anything, I promise I bail you out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> send money. <laughs> it's seen as a lawyer. Please send Oh, yes. Oh, so we're fine. fine. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. This is The Brighter Side. That is Jordan Temple, Ahmed Larson, and we will see you next week. See you.
So this Black History Month, not only think about the black people in history that have um, improved upon America. Think about have- Coach Jones yeah. from your fucking high school football team. Yeah, think about your best friend sometime along the road in college. Think about your coworkers. Think about a goddamn fireman who saved your life. These are uh, black people or normal people. It's a damn shame that I have to fucking remind everyone or talk about it. I'm sure it's not the people listening to this show because everyone knows that our audience has a very open mind. But it is a sad reality that racism is alive and well in our country. And... And we have to do something about it. And the only thing we can do about it is talk about it. Yeah, people are people. Uh, smile at people. Ask them their stories. Um, and just keep being a good person. And just do that to everybody. Yeah, to Christ everybody. Sake. And keeping issues silent benefits the people in power, not the people without it. Fucking A, Mary. Always getting heavy in there. Mm. <laughs> I'm Ed Larson. You can find me at, at, at Eddie Tunes uh, underscore on Twitter. And please, I just joined Instagram. Fucking uh, be my buddy. Uh, check me out, Eddie Tunes on Instagram. I am Amber Smelson on Twitter and also Amber Smelson on Instagram. All right. And at Mary K. Mm-hmm. Bulge. Mary J. Bulge. Mary J. Bulge. Why did I say K? My middle name's not K. Oh, because Kelly. Uh, Probably Mary Kelly. But anyway, it's Mary J. Bulge. And, of course, at Cena John. Check him out. Murder Fist, March 12th at the pit, 9.30 p.m. Anything else you want to talk about, guys? Anything else? you? Fridays at the Cobra Club, greatest comedy show, stand-up show in all of Bushwick. Woo! Go check it out. You got It's an amazing job. You can always see uh, John F. Aldano and Eric Bergstrom on that show as well. And, uh, Mary, what you got going on? Anything fun? Yeah, uh, I'm also a producer at Cave Comedy Radio. Please uh, support all of the podcasts that we produce. We're one of the only uh, alt-comedy podcast networks. I also produce a show called Stewed with Tim Dillon and Mike Racine. It's about food. It's super fun. I also record with uh, Peggy O'Leary with Hard, Lonely, and Vicious. Please come to the Creek in the Cave. That's 1093 Jackson Avenue in beautiful Long Island City, New York. All right. Hit us up on the Facebook page and on iTunes, give us a review if you don't mind. Thank you so much. Taking us out for Black History Month is Miss Nina Simone. Check out her documentary on Netflix. It is fucking cool. Called What Happened, Miss Simone. This yeah. song is I Wish I Know How It Would Be, How It Would Feel to, f- <laughs> to Be Free. A black man taught me how to play the clarinet in middle there school. You go. And I was first chair because I worked real hard at it and he was real cool. I'm big chair. See you guys next week. I wish I knew how it would feel to be free. I wish I could break. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com. Rack your look for spring at Nordstrom Rack and save up to 60% on brands you love. Rag & Bone, Vince, Marc Jacobs, Adidas, Joes, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. Score new dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and sunglasses, plus updates for the family and home. Get your spring on for less, up to 60% less, today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? 
The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.